These afflictions that are only temporary are gonna turn to glory beyond compare. So don't lose heart, don't you dare let go. Life can bring many difficult situations, domestic violence, addictions, poverty, and even sexual abuse by your loved ones. Welcome, Amy Cabo and The Cure. Good afternoon, and welcome to The Cure Radio Show. I'm your host, Amy Cabo, with my amazing partner, Boris. This show was created to expose the truth, educate, and provide comfort. God was the only cure for me, but we hope we can be there for each other. Life is challenging, but know this, there is a God who happened to be our father, loves us dearly, is omnipotent, and wants what's best for us. So there's always hope. That song was Don't Lose Heart by Stephen Chapman. Hold tight. He overcomes darkness with eternal light. With with trials and struggles fought through the night. Created all things with a plan that sets us right. Living in peace by his gracious love to unite. Let us hold fast to hope. In him we possess, knowing in God alone we have nothing less. Though the times may seem dark and grim, by our faith in Christ, we know it's a win. Today we will be talking about achieving peace despite traumatic events with John Heyman. John Heyman was born into poverty, trafficked as a child slave, and adopted into an American family. The CEO of the Jacksonville Children's Commission, providing $38 million to support numerous child-serving nonprofits. Clemson University has awarded Heyman their Crystal Star Award, a top award giving to one individual per year. Stanford University has labeled Heyman a transformational leader with a master's degree in psychology and doctoral work at the University of North Florida. John, it is a blessing to have you with us. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Amy. It's my honor. John, uh, your book shares the story of how you grew up in a slave mill. What happened and how did you escape? Yes. Uh, Well, I wish I could tell you that it was me who uh, orchestrated the escape. It was not. It was through God's grace that it was done through a mission group called American Mission to the Greeks. But going back before that, uh, my book describes how babies were in the 1950s were dropped off at uh, one of a couple asylums. The one I was dropped off at was called the Athens Municipal infants asylum. How would you like to live in an asylum? Anyhow, I did for the first number of years of my life till about five years old. 
In fact, I, 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 I didn't live there for the first five years. We were dumped off. Babies were dumped off through a large bread box, much like a mail slot in people's doors, except much bigger that could hold gallons of milk or loaves of bread or, quite frankly, babies such as myself. So I'm not sure who abandoned me. I'm not sure who rejected me. I'm not sure who didn't want me, but that's where they dumped me. Uh, we learned just several years ago, about eight years ago, a part of a story I had never known when visiting that asylum. It's still there. It's not an asylum anymore, but the building is still there exactly like it was in the late 1950s. And uh, an elderly woman who was inside the building let us walk around the building. It was completely empty. Um, so it looked just like it did when I was a kid and brought back tremendously awful. And, and but you were you were. You were a child laborer. You were made to, yes. to work and many right. long hours, correct? 24 right. hours a yeah. day or you didn't have much sleep. It was mostly work. And I mean, they work children worse than when they work adults because nobody has eyes on that. And yeah, that's exactly right. So you were yeah. rescued by some, some angels, actually. God sent you angels. And um, but it, what were, had you overcome this and what were your struggles and triumphs? Well, the way they could keep us was the doctors would sign death certificates on, our, on us as children. That way, if anybody came back to claim us, the doctor would simply say, we're so sorry, but your boy died. And once you are dead, so to speak, they can do anything with you that they want. And they did. So they would rent us or sell us. I'm not sure what, oh. but I was clearly in this tiny, tiny house that I remember very well uh, being abused tremendously. If I didn't bring back enough money or rubble from the Parthenon, that very famous building in the city of ja uh, Jacksonville, in the city of Athens, Greece, on top of the Acropolis. So we as children were, were forced to go up there, steal from tourists and bring back the money that we stole. Much like the movie, quite frankly, um, Slumdog Millionaire, if anybody has seen that. It's an awful movie. It took me years mm. to watch it because I knew it would bring back And what memory. happened if you didn't have enough? What happened? Oh, I, we got, I did. Uh, I'm not sure about the other children because there was, I was the only one in the house that I was in, a tiny little house. As a five-year-old, I was still sleeping in a crib uh, in a kitchen, and I, uh, I would get beat up. Uh, I think I got beat up for any reason possible. Uh, I remember being thrown out a window. And oddly enough, Amy, um, you know, most children's memories are made up of real memories. I call them knee-high memories because you're, you're so small. And uh, stories and pictures. Well, I didn't have stories and pictures, so I only had my real memories. And uh, when my aunt here in America, and I'll tell that story in a second how I got to America, um, my aunt, when she died, here in America, not my Greek mother. I don't know who my real parents are, uh, but my aunt died. We uh, rummaged through her stuff at the end uh, after she passed away, and we found a tiny picture, which I did not include in this book. It will be in the second book, but a tiny picture of a house, and I'm standing outside the house that looks like I have a black eye, um, and uh, that house is exactly as I remember it. So when I saw that little picture, I went, holy mackerel, this is exactly, um, I was interviewed by somebody who- And around what time were you rescued? What age were you when you were rescued? Probably four what or age five were you years rescued? old. Four or five years old. Again, the oh, adoption- so they rescued you by old. that time. Yeah. 
that's why my memories are. And so then come the vivid. memories, and then come the memories, and and then comes the. The the suicidal thoughts, and I know what that's like, and I know what it's like to be beat. Maybe not as severely, but we'll talk about that when we return after a short moment. We will be right back with Amy Cavill and the Cure. Through every battle, through every heartbreak, through every circumstance. I believe that you are my fortress. Oh, you are my portion. You are my hiding place. Oh, I believe you are the way, the truth. And now we will continue with Amy Cabo and The Cure. Welcome back, and thanks for tuning in. Remember that you can listen to the radio show live through our app, The Cure, with Amy Cabo, or as a podcast. Look for God is the Cure on any podcast platform. That was The Way by Pat Barrett. For the many ways you have made our life complete, the crosses we bear reserved for God's holy elite. Sweet Jesus, how daily so grateful to be free. We were lost hungry, and unable to see. Did we miss miss Christ's presence, the times you appear? He who disappeared our sins, tears, and our fear? New creation, unimagined, that blew our mind. Amazing his grace, a true love defined. We will continue talking about achieving peace. Despite Traumatic Events, with Joy Heyman, author of Agonizing Peace. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord, Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. 2 Corinthians one, three, two, four. John, I know that we have there. There comes difficult times in our in our life where we contemplate suicide, and 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 the devil gets in. He uses our our, our weak points, our weak moments, the fact that we feel that we've been damaged, that we've been hurt, until God turns around and tells us, "You've been blessed. Uh, those crosses brought you closer, and those crosses made you who you are today, and those crosses made you a better person and more understanding." But it takes some time before we get that way of thinking and before we see the light. Uh, does God de- deliberately test us? Or she would view it as a life full of trials and as opportunities for sanctity. I'm sorry, Amy. I I don't know if my audio was not working. Did you ask me a question? I apologize. Does God deliberately test us? Does he just test us to see what we would do? Or is life full of trials as opportunities for sanctity? We live in a broken world. And I personally don't believe there's a difference between what God allows and what he decrees. And I don't believe that he decreed that I would be treated the way I was treated. Even Jesus said, if you treat children this way, there will be a millstone around your neck and a very special place in hell. 
um, and a very special place in heaven for children that sure. are treated uh, so poorly. Uh, he was very direct about treating children properly, but God allowed it to happen. That's for sure. I think Johnny Erickson Tata said it best. She is very famous for drawing for Hallmark with her mouth after diving into a pool at the age of 19, she was paralyzed and still is paralyzed. And she said this, and she has every right to say it. God allows what he hates to bring about what he loves. And that clearly is the testimony of my life. So I was adopted when I was about four or five years old by American. That's beautiful, because he does see a greater good that we don't need to understand. <laughs> Amy, you just said it perfectly. We don't always understand it. I think without God, we have no answers to what we go through. With God, we have some of the answers. We don't have all of them. Even the Apostle Paul said we look through a glass darkly. We're not supposed to. We don't see. Yeah, we don't see everything clearly. We, do, we wouldn't but have to put much effort him. if we had all the answers. Oh, my gosh. Or Amy, if, if we knew everything about God, he wouldn't be much of a God. <laughs> I don't know everything about my cat. <laughs> so he is a great God far greater than our understanding. Isaiah says his ways are not our ways and our I ways are not I don't mind the mystery. <laughs> no, I don't either. I love Yeah, we, we don't have his mind. No, o- only don't. he can and give I'm us a little glimpse don't. of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he's given us enough for us to trust well, him. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh, I, anyhow, uh, I, I know, was but adopted. He was kind enough to take on our form and our mind just to see how difficult it is which means he's super understanding. You know, Amy, uh, that's why the, the title of the book is Agonizing Peace. Jesus agonized, but he was at peace. Right. But there's a difference between peace and contentment, is there not? And is oh, contentment yeah. an yeah. obstacle for growth? Well, you know, <clears throat> it depends on how you define it. Paul said, I've learned to abound, meaning he had a lot. And then I've learned to have without when he was in prison. And he said, in any state I find myself, I've learned to be content. That's not the contentment that we use often, but it's a deeper contentment where peace becomes, the peace that passes understanding becomes an inner contentment with outer circumstances. I become content with what I cannot control. And then I work... I don't remember if it was Benjamin. Exactly. You just, some... you just have, you're just happy with, with whatever God gives, with whatever right. God allows, whether it be right. good or bad. And so right. let's, let's do the opposite of the spectrum. You don't like the word suffering. Tell me how so. Well, I think it's overused. People say, oh, I stubbed my toe. I'm suffering with this and I'm suffering with that. But those who really, really, really suffer, and I'm talking about not just physical ailments or the loss of a child, that's a traumatic experience. But I'm also talking about the suffering that people suffer inside. I mean, for years, I would not let anybody touch me when I was adopted because any time an adult touched me, they hurt me. So that kind of peace, not just with God, but with others, the Haymans, hence my last name. I wouldn't let my mother touch me for two years. And I remember the first time she touched me. She hugged me and didn't hurt me. And my arms were stiff as a board next to my side because... For a couple of years, I simply would not let anybody because touch Because there's, su- there's suffering we cannot see. Right. There's a lot of suffering that's we cannot see. You know, suffering we don't talk about. Not everyone expresses right. it. And that's real suffering. Oh, uh, if, if you can say it, if you can express it, only makes it more difficult. 
but is there effortly effortless peace? We'll talk and about how it. is it achieved? We'll talk about that when we get back. Stay with us. We'll be talking more about that with John Hyman, author of Agonizing Peace. We'll be right back after a short. We will be right yes. back with Amy Cavill and the Cure. continue with Amy Cabo and The Cure. Welcome back and thanks for tuning in. That was You've Always Been by Unspoken. Oh God, you have been so good to us every time, turning mountains over, our sweet Lord sublime, our go-to, you've always been, no greater cure, never such confidence that has so secure somehow makes a way to bring a frown upside down, holding us tenderly, wiping those tears of a clown. Life is a show. The constant and only true thing is our God, Father, we love, and Holy King. We will continue talking about achieving peace despite traumatic events with John Heyman, author of Agonizing Peace. 1 Peter 5.10 And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. John, is there such a thing as effortless peace? And how do we achieve this? Um, Amy, in my book, I make a very clear distinction between effortless peace, peace and agonizing peace. Some people do have that effortless peace, and that's wonderful if people have been able to live that way. Uh, God bless them. That was not my experience. How do people do that? Uh, <laughs> I think it's, I was going to say pure luck. I mean, obviously, God's hand is in everything and in everybody's life. No, that's got to be grace. For those people. That's got to be huge yeah. grace. Huge grace. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. But that's not what my book is about. My book is not about what the do they do? Pray a lot or something? Uh, I think it's beyond their control. I don't know, but I want to I learn that one. Oh, so do I. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm. I'm kind of more like uh, some Mr. people. It just seems who, easy for them, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they better be prepared well, for the tough times, don't you think? I mean, tough times happen sometimes. Jesus hey, said, "In but, this world, expect trouble." I mean, I don't want trouble. But he said, expect it. So you know, the harder the task, the harder the task, the greater the reward, I think. So it's okay. I don't mind struggling. Uh, yeah. But many Christians believe that the peace with God means that uh, no troubles. But uh, right. it's not peace when you have peace when there is trouble. That's real That's peace. the deepest peace. It's easy right. to have That's peace the when there isn't. Peace. Yeah. And in my book, I talk and about is surrendering. a contract? Is what? Is yes, surrendering a to God's will. 
surrendering to God's will and trusting that whatever happens is perfect, whether you like it, understand it or know it, or even if you know his plan or not, it's there and he knows what he's doing and he's perfect. So let it be. Uh, but salvation, it becomes a contract for serenity. What it means to follow Christ, that affliction levels us all. How does this fit into his plan for building faith? Well, he doesn't inflict us. He allows testing, just like when they test an automobile, to find out how strong it is, how great the brakes are, how fast it can turn. And it's not to, not to prove to God we can put up with things. It's to prove to us that we can put up with more than we imagine with his grace and his strength. And when that happens, then we're prepared for anything that could otherwise happen to us. Not that we welcome it, not that we create it, and not that we want it, but it might happen. And if it does, agonizing peace is very, very real with oh, God. I, I know, kind of understand what you're saying, that he allows pickpocket to alter our way of thinking to see if we're going to go with what God says, believe all things, or argue with the person, or think that you know, or what you've been fooled to think. And uh, so if we stick by God's word, no matter what, how many different ways the devil tries to trick us, uh, right. you know, we pass the test. Uh, but he only allows the demons to insult us as much as our actions will allow. So watch your sinning. That's, um, that's exactly so, right. So are the, <laughs> uh, how are lingering doubts different from lingering questions? Well, questions are more theoretical, and my book was not written for the theologian. It was written for the practical person that is hurting. Um, that's who it was written for. So lingering doubts can cause deep depression, and depression, of course, can ultimately lead to the, to the ultimate thief, and that is uh, to commit suicide. And I have found that when um, uh, those kind of thoughts hit anybody, and they do hit most everybody, not everybody acts on those thoughts, but they do hit, um, and for a variety of reasons, uh, which I think is the deepest mental traumatic experience is depression. Uh, and when that happens, we need to, and I I'm believe. Sure that's the, I, I'm sure that's described in your book, Agonizing Peace, that your, your readers can expect the unexpected and just if that, anything at all, just question. But we, I'm being told. We've reached the end of the show. It's uh, oh, okay. short but sweet. And so thank you, John, for being with us. It was a pleasure having you. And thank you for what you do. Thank you. So we'll finish with a prayer. Father God, I lift up those among us that are afflicted with mental illness and even demonic possession. Though we ourselves may not be able to discern the difference, your spirit can. I pray for these O oh Lord God, that you will lose them from these binding and tormenting oppressions and that you will deliver them back in, onto their families and communities, free and clothed in their right minds. Amen. This is Amy Cavo. You have been listening to The Cure. Thank you to our listeners for being with us and until next Sunday much love always give it to your best be as kind of as possible to yourself and to everyone true in every situation 
Keep your values. Don't lose hope. And most importantly, maintain the faith. Please check our podcast, The Cure with Amy Cabo, wherever podcasts are, and check Amy's book, The God is the Cure, Love is the Answer, on Amazon specifically. And more to come. Yeah. Blogs as well. Thank you for listening to The Cure with Amy Cabo. You can check out Amy's latest book, God is the Cure, on Amazon. And please check our website, godisthecure.com.